Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 26. Uh, Saul was the classic double-minded person. Listen to James 1, 5 through 8. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, listen to this, unstable in all his ways. Now, a double-minded man is literally a two-souled, um, the word in Greek has to do with two souls, and it's this kind of person. Have you ever seen this person? They, they have dual characters that they paint on their body, and down this half of their body, they're one character, and if they turn this way, they're another character. That's a double-minded person, according to James 1. They don't know what they really believe. So even when they ask something, they don't ask in faith because they don't even know what they really believe. They haven't made up their mind if they're really a Christian yet. Have you? You've got to plant your flag at some point. I'm not going to sit here and say you don't have question marks and doubts at times because we all, being honest, would say sometimes we do. But have you planted your flag and said, I am a Christian. Have you come out of the closet? Everybody else is. And said, I'm a Christian. I was in a parking lot many, many years ago. And I had played softball with this guy. And I was a baseball player. And I got on the softball team. And um, lots of the guys were Christians. And they were witnessing to some of us. And I had become a Christian and this, this man named Tim was a, was a non-Christian. And we started talking in the parking lot after a ball game and some pizza. And he was talking about an obnoxious friend of his that was a born-again Christian. You won't believe it. a born-again, this guy, a born-again. And he's sitting here talking to me, and I'm a born-again Christian. <laughs> and so I said, Tim, I'm a born-again Christian. And he went, what? You are? And then I thought, boy, there must be a problem with me <laughs> because he doesn't even know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> well, it, it shocked him a little bit, and I began to witness to him. And um, he, eventually he came to the church, a church in Orange, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, became an elder at that church. It was really just a neat thing. I'm surprised. You know, sometimes I look in um, the world and, you know, maybe a famous athlete that I didn't know was a Christian. Uh, his on-field um, <laughs> ways might not tell me that. I'm surprised how many people are Christians out there that you eventually find out they are. Um, to me, it doesn't make sense to be anything else but a Christian <laughs> with the free offer of grace that we have. But Saul was on this roller coaster. He was a double-minded person. William Barclay says the double-minded person is a, is a walking civil war. They have a war with themselves. They can't seem to decide who they want to be and what they're going to be. 
The image is powerful. You've heard it before. It's a person that tries to straddle the fence and live in two worlds. One foot is in Christ. One foot is in the world. And they sit there on the fence and they haven't decided which side they're going to actually jump over to. And if you picture a picket fence, you've got a really good image. And here's why. I think that person that's a fence sitter is probably one of the most miserable people on the planet. And I can tell you this from firsthand experience because I was that person. For the first four years of my Christian experience, I was a fence sitter. Now, I started leaning more towards Christ as the years, those first four years, came to a conclusion. But I will tell you this. There were weekends when I would go back to my old ways, and I'm just being honest with you because I think it can encourage some of you. This is many years ago. I've been walking with the Lord for almost 30 years now. But there were times when I felt like that walking civil war. And I felt like if, as close as I've ever got to an audible voice, the Lord was saying to me, Michael, you need to decide because I want to use you, but I can't have you being fickle. You need to decide where you're going to plant your flag. And so, by God's grace, I was able to uh, move in that direction. Look at verse 3. And Saul camped in the hill of Hekilah, which is before Jeshimon beside the road. And David was staying in the wilderness when he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. Now, you have to think of David here. Put yourself in David's sandals for a second. David had to be thinking, oh no, not again. It's like kind of on, a, on one level he knew it was coming, but I think you all can relate to this. <laughs> you know something's coming, but then when it comes, you're like, oh no. Here it comes again, or here he comes again. So David sent out spies, and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. So now he tried to get a little of his own intel. Like, okay, is it Saul, and is he really coming, and does he have soldiers with him, and is there a particular target that he's after, and is his name David? <laughs> That's pretty much what he was trying to find out. So, you know, see who it is, confirm that it's Saul, see if he's got an army with him, See if he's just doing sightseeing or if he's changed his mind again. Well, the intel came back. The spies went out. The word came to David from the scouting party. Yes, it's Saul. Yes, he has an army with him. Yes, they're looking for someone. And David, we think it's you. Now David again is faced with this man coming after him once again. Here he is coming again. Oh no, no way again. Have you noticed that in life the Lord allows you to relive lessons over and over again? Wouldn't it be nice if, if you could just come to a point in life where you go through this one thing and maybe you respond the right way and then maybe you have like one other thing, let's call it a, a bullet point under that main one and you kind of almost blow up, but you still get it right, and then the Lord just lets you move on, and you don't have to learn that lesson again. That's not how life is. Have you noticed that lessons just continue to repeat? And sometimes the faces change, <laughs> the times are different, but the problems are the same. And people say, if only I could move to a place 
where people weren't this way. I've got news for you. Wherever you go, there you are. And the people around you, I don't care where they live, what their accent may be, there's still people. And people, have you noticed, are messed up. (laughs) Some people are less messed up than others. And so, here's David. And, you know, maybe he did one of these. Maybe David kind of looked up to the heavens and went, Okay, Lord, I guess we're not through with this Saul lesson yet. I don't know what else you have to teach me. And David was that kind of a humble man, though. Maybe you have more to teach me. So David then arose, verse 5, and came to the place where Saul had camped. And David saw the place. Now Saul's army was so big that he couldn't hide. 3,000, right? He saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army, and Saul was lying in the circle of the camp, and the people were camped around him. So you picture David now. He comes out. He's got the intel. He looks. He's able to see Saul's camp, and he's able to make out what's going on. Saul's in the middle, and the army's all around him. He can see the commander. He knows this guy. This guy's name is Abner. He's related to Saul. And um, the question is, what would you do now? 3,000 against 600. He's coming again. He obviously was not sincere in his last comments that he made. Should I wait? The spies have confirmed it's Saul. What do you think the men who were with David were saying, maybe chirping in the back? We told him in the cave. We told him in the man cave. He could have killed him then. Good guys always finish last, don't they? We told him. Here he is again. Got to re- You're going to have people chirping. When you do the right thing, sometimes people are going to chirp. Some of your friends will chirp. You know, we told you. Mercy, this whole mercy thing. Just leave it to God. Then David answered, verse 6, and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, I don't know where he came from. He's got a Semitic name, but he's a Hittite. Later we're going to meet Uriah the Hittite. Some commentators think he was a mercenary, kind of a traveling soldier. David addresses Ahimelech and Abishai, the son of that person, (laughs) Zuriai, Joab's brother, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? Now, he addresses two men. I don't know why these two specifically. They, maybe they're just standing there. We're going to find out that Abishai is David's nephew. And he says, okay, you see those guys out there, 3,000 of them, the king's in the middle. Who wants to go? It seems like David's saying, it's me and one other person. And you have to be asking the question, are you kidding me? You could have killed him in the cave. Now you want to go down to the camp? They're, these guys are trained fighters. You remember who's David? David's 600 people were not that impressive. You know, they were the down and out, people in debt, all that stuff. So David goes, who's going to go with me? And it was Abishai who said, I will go down 
with you. Now we're going to find out a little bit about Abishai. He was almost like an Old Testament son of thunder. This guy was quick to want to shed some blood. You'll find this out in a couple of verses. And he goes, I'll go. You know, you have a friend like that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. David's almost doing what Jonathan did several chapters ago. Remember when Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let's go into the Philistine camp? And they went, and God brought a great deliverance. Then I, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Now, it's clear that Ahimelech, the Hittite, did not go. I don't know if, you know, David said, okay, the one that wants to go, step forward, and Ahimelech, step back. No, thank you. No, thanks. That sounds like a death mission. I'm not in. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Second Chronicles 16.9 Do you want to be that person when the Lord says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he does say that. Will you say, here I am, send me. That's the difference between a nominal Christian who sits on the bench and someone who says, I want to be in the game. And so Abishai says, I'll go. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, verse 7, and behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp. So you can picture they're all circled around him. He's got his spear stuck in the ground, kind of like the baseball bat at night by the bedside. He's got it at his head, supposed to be for Saul's protection. Abner and the people were lying around him. So there's two men among thousands. Can you imagine? Yeah, you got the cover of darkness, but still there's 3,000 men. If you kick a rock or knock over a table, it's probably over. Going as quietly as you can, right? What are we doing here, by the way? You won't kill the guy, so what are you trying to accomplish? So here they find Saul. He's got his spear right by his head. And Abishai said to David, <laughs> Today, probably in a loud whisper, Today, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Yeah! He saw and logs the spears right there. Therefore, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, let me kill him. I added the pleases there. <laughs> please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke. I will not strike the second time. I won't miss him. It's right by his head. Custom-made opportunity. Shh. <laughs> He's right there. Cut the head of the snake off. We're good. Dave's like, shut. <laughs> Just one shot is all I need at him. Abishai is like in Old Testament, a version of the sons of thunder in the New Testament. The sons of thunder in the New Testament were James and John. They went to a village, and the village would not receive the word, and they said to the Lord, should we call, let's command fire to come down. Let's have a barbecue right now. We'll, just, we'll step away from the village and watch it burn. How's that, Lord? 
I mean, people did that in the Old Testament, right? It's cool. Jesus said, no. No, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of. I came to save men's lives, not destroy them. And do you know that John became the apostle of what? Of love. He's the one whom Jesus loved. He wrote so much about love in John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's amazing. He became a man of great love and compassion for people. That's what the Lord does. That gives us all hope. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, verse 9, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? David had to be thinking, though, this is deja vu all over again. I've got a second... Have you ever been here before? I've got a second crack at my enemy. Maybe this is God. I don't know. We've all been there before, right? But David took the stand the first time. He says, no, don't destroy him. Don't uh, raise up your hand against him because if you do, if you touch him, it will not be without guilt. I want to tell you something about wisdom. It's not that David wasn't going to take the throne. It's not that Saul wasn't going to die because Saul would die. He's about to die in a few chapters. He's going to die in battle. But this issue was about timing. When the devil came to Jesus and tempted Jesus, he said, if you'll bow down to me, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and he said, all these... I will give to you if you will bow down to me. All the kingdoms of the world will be ruled by Jesus Christ. Amen? He will rule and reign from Jerusalem with a rod of iron. However, life is about timing and doing things God's way. Adam and Eve in the garden. I read one commentator this week. You may not agree with him, but he says he believes that they would, they would have gained access to the knowledge of the tree of good and evil at some point. It's an argument, it's speculation, but it's his, it's his argument. Because he's saying the tree was not necessarily bad, but it had to be done in God's way in God's time. Just a, just a uh, connection here. This is what wisdom is about. It's doing things in God's way and in God's time. Navigating your life. Say a thing about my son here. My beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. On his 18th birthday, I bought him a sword. And I had uh, done some things with him. It was through a program called Raising a Modern Day Knight. And on his 18th birthday, I engraved a sword so he could remember and it says, Shane Michael Lance, it's got his birthday on there, and it says, a true modern day knight. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about wanting to do things God's way. He stands up here, I don't know how he plays all these different things at the same time, but he's, but he's doing it for the glory of God. Amen? It's about doing things God's way and God's time. David knew he was the anointed one. The temptation was not to try to grab it for himself by his own timing and will. And so he was, he was uh, oftentimes confronted with that. That's going to be some of your temptation. You know God has a plan for your life, but sometimes you've got to wait for the full uh, unfolding of that plan. And God's going to ask you to be patient. And when you try to grab it and force your way in, that's when we can get in trouble. 
Now David, verse 10, also said, as the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him. He knew that Saul's day was going to come. But he had learned from the episode of Nabal. And remember, all these are life lessons, right? He had learned what happened to Nabal. The Lord struck him. And he, what, 10 days later, he died. And when the news came to David, David said, remember the famous line? Praise the Lord, he's dead. That's where the song came from, The Wizard of Oz. Ding dong, Nabal is dead. Never mind. <laughs> now look at this. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't remember that. Get that out of your mind. Surely the Lord will strike him. Now here's where this phrase comes, I think. Or his day will come that he dies or he will go down into battle and perish. And by the way, that's what happens. So this is a bit of a prophecy here. Noted in your Bible, David said, I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. His day will come. Some of you need to mark that because you struggle with that and I understand it. But David, I think, is saying, I trust God's sovereignty and judgment. He took care of the last guy who was a fool, Nabal. And I believe he's going to do it again. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand, verse 11, against the Lord's anointed. He's still the king, but now please take the spear that is at his head and the jug of water and let's go. So David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head and they went away, but no one saw it or knew it. You've got to say, what's going on? They've, there's all kinds of conversation. They take the spear, the jug of water. Abishai is saying, let me kill him, let me kill him. How could nobody wake up? Nor did any awake, for they were all asleep because, notice, a sound sleep, tardamot in Hebrew, same uh, root word that was used for Adam's deep sleep in Genesis 2.21 when God did that surgery and took his rib. A sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. The Lord had them snoozing. The Lord was in control. Nothing was going to happen because David was going to take the throne and nothing was going to thwart God's plan. And here's the sovereignty of God. God's watching over the man after his heart. Then David crossed over to the other side. He's got the spear. He's got the jug of water. He stood on top of the mountain at a distance, a safe distance, with a large area between them. And David called to the people. Maybe something like, Hey, you men of Saul! And to Abner, the son of Ner, he's the commander, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? And Abner, I'm sure, wiping his eyes from sleep, said, Who are you who calls to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> are you not a man? Questions Abner's manhood. By the way, this guy was a, a valiant warrior. He was courageous. He had a reputation in Israel. He had been the commander from the beginning for Saul. David says, who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord the king? For one of the people, <laughs> there was two, but I think he's talking about Abishai here, came to destroy the king, your Lord. Now you're not going to hear a peep from Abner because I think he's still a little bit groggy. And David says, this thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you must surely die. Literally, you are the sons of death because you did not guard your Lord. The Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is? 
The jug of water that was at his head. You want evidence? Here it is. We could have killed him. Here's his spear. Here's the jug of water. And the men are all sitting there like, what? What happened? I don't know. Where's my teddy bear? I don't know. Give me my blankie. You didn't do your job. If anybody should die, it's you guys, not me. I don't know why you're trying to kill me. See, this is David's argument. Just like he cut off the spe- the uh, the side of uh, the robe in the cave for evidence, now he's got evidence. I was there. We could have killed him. And in fact, David did stop the death of Saul. Hi, everybody. This is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael. And we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now. It's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron. And it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time, 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel. We'll have podcasting where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything? Last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys... Keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members, have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer. And join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. LivingTruthRadio.org Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.